The following presentation does not represent Australian opinion or intellect. Fake news, folks. Fake news. Are you Muslim? <laughs> <laughs> he should have been slapped as a child. He's a spoiled brat. He's probably being treated like a prince. I burned everything I got. You also had people that were very fine people on both sides. How's your levels? Good. <laughs> can you lean into the, uh, the actual mic? Yes, I can. Okay, well, that's good. It's actually getting a level thing. Is that better? Yeah, it's fine. Do I have to put my uh, drag queen voice on? <laughs> Do you have a drag queen voice? Sure. Sure, I've got a drag queen voice. Hold on. Could you be like this? Oh, how are you? How are you, love? I'm mad. Yeah, oh, no. Hang on, I used to have a drag queen voice. I based it on... A mate's um, sister. What was that? Ag- Agatha Sparkles. Agatha How Sparkles. are you, love? No, my drag queen name is... Uh, what? What's my drag queen name? It's uh, Candida Globrata, which is actually... Uh, it's Russian fiction. I do actually have occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> it's, always, it's always good to have a microbiologist on. <laughs> Wait, what? what? <laughs> Hang on. Okay. You can Google that. It's a real disease. I'm not going to Google it. I trust you. You're a microbiologist. Okay, good. Okay, wait. So, your... <laughs> okay, so wait, your drag queen name is based on a thrush infection? Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Candy Glabrata. Candida Glabrata. Candy Glabrata. No, Glabrata. I love how you, you've spent literally five hours trying to pronounce my surname. Yeah, but, you, and but and and it's literally two syllables, and I, I no, broke it down. I can't for, fucking I, do. I, I can't do I a surname. I broke it down <laughs> phonetically. <laughs> but you expect me to say that you're getting like frustrated because I can't pronounce a fucking pot. Hey, if it's a microbiology name, I can totally pronounce it. Okay. <laughs> okay, so break it down again. Candida. Candida. Glabrata. 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 And what part is the thrush infection? Candida species is thrush. And glabrata is the specific species. <laughs> you know what's funny? I always thought this podcast... This is legit, yeah. I always thought that with this podcast... <laughs> Please tell me you're recording this. No, no, of course I am. I always thought that with the podcast, I would sort of enter a new stratosphere of sophistication or at least... No. Matu- no, no, maturity. <laughs> maturity is probably the best... Maturity is the best word to describe it. No. But with literally the first no. actual accredited with uh, accredited guest with credentials and some sort of CV that's respectful, the, the opening statement is that your drag name stems from some form of thrush. Correct. <laughs> Which I have suffered from in the past, let me tell you. And, okay. and let's talk about the fact that I had to get um, a compounding chemist to prepare the boric acid pessaries to get rid of it. None of those words mean anything to me. No, of course they don't. <laughs> Do but, that's, think- but the point is, that's how bad... Candida glabrata infections are. We're not talking. We're not talking your average uh, Candida albicans, which is that white fluffy shit that people get. I'm talking a nasty intracellular Candida species that causes this like crazy redness, and no amount of fucking caniston is going to help you with that. Okay, okay? I'm just going to point out the fact that we've spent. It's hang on. It's 4:30 <laughs> in the afternoon. Yeah, we met up at 10. So yeah, uh, quick maths. What's that? Uh, six hours. Yeah. We've spent six hours together today so far, and 
this is the first time I'm hearing any of these words. Or anywhere where <laughs> well, we were doing no, any, other any, stuff before. Anywhere where you, the form of academia comes in, and I actually have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. I'm, I'm really surprised. Okay. Hang on, wait. We need to give you. We're a- still talking about drag queen names. I'm just giving. You asked me why <laughs> yeah. and to explain it, and I've given you the explanation, <laughs> which makes sense to me perfectly. Okay, just a heads up because I have to introduce you. You're not a familiar face to the audience. <laughs> you are Dr. Melanie Thompson. I'm so glad I got the uh, pronoun in there. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor. Doctor. Everyone would know you if you Google you for that pronoun. Uh, Thing, yeah. thing. Um, <laughs> Ask the trolley dollies. They got a bit silly about that. Oh. <laughs> You're not going to get in trouble for that, would you? Would I get in trouble for it? For saying, well, saying, saying that again. Nah. Oh, we're going back. Fuck. When was that? That was. Uh, oh, September last year. Well, I thought it was the year before. No, no. Okay, so basically. But, that, but that's because I get stalked by like the Murdoch press on my Twitter account, and when there's like a slow news day in Geelong, <laughs> um, they just come and hit me up. Pretty much. <laughs> And they've done it to me so many times. I've ended up on the front page of the Addy, uh, the, which is the Geelong uh, Geelong Football Club newspaper or the Geelong Advertiser. Okay. It's just basically Herald Sun with Geelong footballers on it, uh, on the cover. Um, but I ended up in the off-season, obviously, because when it's footy season, there's only footballers on the front of the Geelong Advertiser. Obviously. But I did a few years ago because I tweeted about Jetstar <laughs> asking me how pregnant I was. I remember. That's actually how you came to my attention. That's right. One of the, one of the reasons why you came yeah. to my attention. And so and I, have a, I have a long history of, of frustrated relationships with um, ground crew and air crew <laughs> on aeroplanes. And so, you know, um, and, and so I, I get a bit surly. Okay. Um, just for basic context let's just take you through let's just take you through the quick cv not because that's all you are but i'm just saying yeah for anyone that's tuning in and listening for the first time who the hell are you uh dr mel thompson educated in uh you were in england for how long oh 12 years 12 years hanging out with the pomps your official accreditation as far as academia oh what have i got the letters up to my name so other I've than got that thrush no that's not a necessarily accreditation that's more of an affliction um so my accreditation is uh, is a uh, bachelor of science with honors from the university of melbourne and then a master's of research followed by a doctor of philosophy from the university of york so how many do- how many lots of letters up my name you know, it cost me a lot to get a business card done. What can I say? <laughs> it's just a bumper sticker. It's a bumper sticker. You just slap it on doors. Yep. Yeah, give me yep. a call. Yep. On the briefcase. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, so you're a microbiologist from, uh, yeah, you grew up in, uh, where'd you grow up? You grew up in uh, Myra, grew, didn't you? I grew up here in, in uh, the east, out, up in the Dandenong Ranges. Yeah, I remember we were talking about it ages ago, because yeah. I named all the suburbs that I came from, because yeah. I was saying you would never understand. You're like, anyway, hey, mate, yeah, you fuck, pulled me up on it. Like, I just yeah, heard, I you. fucking lived in Willers Hill, you cunt. <laughs> and Vermont South. And uh, where else did I live? You know those are still pretty starchy suburbs, though. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. But Jesus. No, I grew up on a 20-acre farm, sort of hobby farm, up in the Dandenongs at a place... In in a place called Macclesfield, went to Macclesfield Primary. Um, my brother still lives up there on, on a 10 acres with his kids, um, but he went back after we we sort of lost the farm when I was 15 um, due to the recession we had to have, thanks, Paul Keating. Um, and that's the sort of last recession. We're coming into another one, clearly, right about now, but we at that point we had 17% interest rates, and so there was no way that my parents could keep the house which they had overcapitalized um, on, and so they basically um, had to sell, 
and we ended up having to move into the horrors of <laughs> southeastern Melbourne suburbia. The horror. The horror. Okay, so at what age did you head overseas? Um, I headed overseas for a year when I was 15, and okay. so I went and lived in Swansea in Wales, um, in um, the UK, and had a very good year there doing my GCSEs. The hell's that? Um, <laughs> it's, it's like a year 10 certificate type okay. thing. We used to have them here called the general certificate back in the olden know. days. I did, I did a VCE, which ended at year 12. <laughs> yeah, no. We, and I came back to do VCE um, okay. and had to stay down, actually, yeah. So, wait. So, wait. You went over there on what accord? It was on a, a student exchange. Ah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, I didn't know that. I actually didn't yeah, know yeah. that. It was the American I- Swedish <laughs> student exchange, ASSI, or ARSE with an E on the end. ASSI. <laughs> ASSI. <laughs> All right, so hang on. So you went over there on exchange, came back here, finished high school, and then went back there for uni? I went back for a gap year, um, okay. where I was basically a, an assistant house mistress. What the hell's that? Um, which is basically someone who looks after little kids in a boarding house. So they're all living away from home, and so they need like um, young teenagers to look, basically be older sister, babysitter yeah, type people. Yeah, well, now you do. Yeah. That's that because that almost that's almost like a maternal sort of quality, but you're pretty staunch. <laughs> well, you've met my kids, and yeah. you know you, they don't even see me as maternal, so you know. <laughs> I, actually, did, I did it rubbish. to travel. I no, that's travel. no. You know what? That's actually rubbish. No because, bullshit. No, no, because over the last two years, a lot of your stories have all come down. Like as in, whenever we sort of chat, when I ask you what are you doing, it's always something either educational or even just recreational for your kids. Nine times out of ten. That's because I've been unemployed for like the last nine months. <laughs> yeah. yeah, fair enough. I haven't had much of a choice. You know, but the 20 years before that, I was like an after-hours home avoider where I just had a very busy job um, and meant I couldn't really spend time with Okay. Them. So I'm basically paraphrasing your CV based on the fact that listeners don't know who you are. Yeah. Even I actually don't know any of this. No, that's okay. Um, well, I know... I know, you know a bulk of it. You're, Wikipedia, you're actually in Wikipedia, which yeah, is impressive. Exactly. That, yeah, you know someone, what's re- can someone bloody go and fix that? Because it's not right and it doesn't do half the good stuff. But it does have the trolley dolly incident on there. I know, Yay. but you've you got all this shit and that's, then it just says yeah, Jetstar. You know what? That's because uh, Wikipedia is run by incel tech bros. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, you introduced um, me to that phrase, tech bros. I'd never heard bro. that until I spoke yeah. to you. Okay, so hang on. You went overseas, you became educated. And then how did you manage your way back here? How did I manage my way back here? So on the gap year that I spent between um, the ages of 19 and 20, uh-huh. I got kicked out of the girls' boarding school. I was the house mistress of... Is that the official title, week. house mistress? That was it, assistant house mistress. When I think of house mistresses, I think of living like lovers to yeah, well, drug that, dealers but, and rich... But in, in the UK, the word mistress means also someone that works in a school. Okay. And and they actually, the generic term for school teachers is miss, miss, miss. You get called miss regardless of what your actual name is. Okay. Um, and also, so it's the Sir Miss thing. And, you know, you have to look up some Trinians and that sort of um, Frankie Howard era of um, 1970s, 60s, 70s comedy <laughs> um, to fully understand the sort of sexual um, links between sort of girls with hockey sticks in short skirts um, being flirtatious and um, the sort of mistress thing. It's, it's a very British, okay. British thing. So you got kicked out of this boarding school. Well, I, don't, I never got kicked. I, when I say kicked out, I mean they, they threw all of the staff that were living there as residents out for six weeks over the school holidays because they shut the school. Like, I couldn't live there. They, like, turned the lights off. Okay. Um, and so it was no longer habitable for that time, and so I had to go travelling. And I went on a top-deck tour around 
Europe for a few weeks, as you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and in those days, it was back when they actually had the old-fashioned proper vintage top deck buses before like the emission regulations from the EU stopped them from doing it. And it was before the EU had actually set up a common currency. So I had all these bloody different currencies yeah. in little little plastic bags. I actually got to see the drachma when I went to Greece in 98. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. forget about that. The fact that that really bothered me. It didn't bother me creating the universal currency because even though it's, univer- it's EU, you still have each nation's identity yeah, yeah. On, printed on the note. Yeah. I feel it did, was a bit of a chop but out. But did though. you know? Oh, no, here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Did you know that the polymer that makes all of those plastic banknotes here in Australia and in the EU is actually sourced from the Viva refinery in Geelong? All? Yep. It's the whole world's plastic for plastic banknotes comes from the Viva Viva refinery in Geelong. I know. I Austra- found that out the other day when I, I was at the Viva refinery. I, I know Australia started. was one of the leading. Well, we, we were the first. When the CSIRO invented invented the polymer. Yeah. Um, I know but, we were on top of that. Yeah, absolutely. The world loved our currency when absolutely. we switched to plastic. I yeah, know that. Yep. And so everybody else adopted it, but because the technology is still licensed to Australia, and the actual sort of proprietary. Was oh, um, licensed the actual method? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, but that's, this is the thing, is that you it. then have to sell the polymer. The yeah. polymer is like a secret formula. It's like Coke or, you know, the seven secret... What is it? So, Aussies own that formula? Yep. Wow. Yep. I, uh, that, that. The CSIRO owns that. And, and basically, CSIRO also got, after their big wrangling, they got the, they got the uh, credit for Wi-Fi back off Cisco Systems or whatever it was. So, you know, Aussies invented Wi-Fi too. Yeah, I remember reading something. We invented the Esky or yep. something. We invented... We were in Bionic Year. I like yeah, that. I remember I that one. I met the guy that invent- invented the bionic ear. You know Graham, him. Graham Clark. I've met him. I'm actually, that's one thing, that's one thing I always I know, notice in our conversations. I just name drop famous start, yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, We start talking about something random. It's like, oh, yeah, I know him. Like, how? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just lucky, I guess. I love it. You're holding a can of Prosecco. <laughs> I know, I'm trying, I'm trying not to knock the microphone with no, my can of Prosecco. Take, I need a straw. Take a breather. I don't have to, I've only just started fitting this joint out. All right, relax. Where are the straws, goddammit? <laughs> hey, we, we should be in a straw, we should be in a strawless nation. No, bullshit. Why? I'm calling bullshit on that. I made, in fact, I made Movita the other day go and stock some. My favorite Movita Aki in town behind the NAB building where all the wanker bankers hang out and uh-huh. me. Um, I said to them, the paper straws are not good enough because disabled people that are my friends and I might bring here need okay. plastic straws with bendy bendy straws. They need them. I said, you just need to buy one packet and just have them on hand for when someone asks you for them. But you need to be able to provide a range of straw options because the replacement straws or the no straw option is not an option for disabled people. Okay, in what way would you? In what what's your, what way is that argument? I'm, I'm Trudy no, no. is completely ignorant. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, no, 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 and because it's basically most of the um, most of the plastics in the ocean is actually from discarded fishing nets. Yeah. Um, and the sort of plastic straw um, hipsters, you can do one thing. It's a bit white <laughs> and it's a bit abled and it's a bit bullshit. Um, because actually, you're not going to stop plastic contamination of the oceans by not using a plastic straw in your local your local cafe. That's yeah. not going to happen. That, that That is not a direct link. Like, you need to actually get out there and clean up the Pacific garbage dump yourself with, like, a net and a boat to actually have an effect. <laughs> I just got the visual of, like, a bunch of hipsters in a canoe <laughs> they trolling did. for plastic. <laughs> they fucking do. They do. The hipsters are totally out there doing that all the time. Um, and... And, you know, and even my own family, and, and my husband is not a hipster, he's like a baby boomer, but I have, like, guilted him into sort of um, rubbish collection. And so he goes to, for a walk on our local beach down at Ocean Grove, 
And and actually, the local coffee van will give you a free coffee if you fill a bucket with rubbish. So I've never heard of that. You should totally come and do it. Yeah, I'm going to drive all the way to Geelong. Yeah, to come down to Geelong and get a free coffee because it won't <laughs> cost you a- 20 bucks in fuel. <laughs> 20? Yeah. <laughs> Where are you going, man? It's two hours each way. Yeah, no, that's, that's about I, 20. It depends, depends on your fuel efficiency. I drive a good old guzzler of a, yeah, of a well, machine. Yeah, well, it might cost you 40 then. <laughs> okay, so getting back on track. Okay, so you... You got kicked out. You did your tour of duty. I did my, I did my tour, year. and then I walked into a pub in London called at that called the Prince of Tech. Okay. Now this was nineteen ninety three or four, three, three, four. With anyway, um, and at that point, the Prince of Tech was um, the precursor to the Australian theme pubs that they then opened up all around um, the UK which were called walkabout inns. Um, and that precursor pub, it had a, it had a sort of stuffed kangaroo over the bar wearing, oh, wearing so a rugby jersey, an Australian, yeah. Australian, um, rugby union jersey, smoking a cigarette. So and they like had the- up their Kazali on the jukebox. <laughs> that, it was that kind of place. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm just picturing all the ones in Southeast Asia with the tacky yeah, sort of yeah, shit. absolutely. Like football memorabilia. Yeah, and- absolutely. And, and so it was the precursor to a lot of those. Okay. And it was the only one in London at that point. And I, it was next door to the top deck offices where they dropped us off and we were basically having a last drinks with the group, which was and basically... And homeless. <laughs> yeah, well, no, they weren't, they weren't becoming homeless. They were going off on other tours. I was becoming homeless. Um... <laughs> I think I was due to go to visit one of my friends and couch surf in Sheffield or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I walked into the bar and there was a guy standing there wearing a North Melbourne Guernsey. Oh. <laughs> and I'm a North Melbourne supporter and have been from birth. Okay. And, and I, don't hold it against it, wh- me. I was going to say, why is it that I don't know this? You do know this for fuck's sake. No, I do know you were a North Melbourne supporter. Seriously? I'm, I'm telling you, I had no idea. <sighs> I had no idea. You're obviously not paying attention. But anyway, <laughs> it's fine, it's fine. No one ever fucking listens to me. That's why I call myself Cassandra. <laughs> um, but the point is that I walked into this bar and basically struck up a conversation yeah. with this guy. Um, and then one of the guys from my tour, who I may or may not have had sex with on a pontoon <laughs> in Paris, but that's another story. Um, Steve, the short builder from Adelaide, very short in all respects. Um, Jesus Christ. I you an academic. <laughs> you asked me for the story. Are you saying academics don't have sex? Is that what you're saying? No. You've got a stereotype about academics that needs to be overturned. Yeah, kind of start taking notes here. Yeah, come on. All right, anyway. But yeah, so basically, Steve introduced me to Simon wearing, and they basically played together in the Earl's Court Ruse, British Australian Rules football team. Okay. Um, and so they knew each other. And Simon, Simon basically, I chatted to him for about an hour. He said, I've got to go home because I've, you know, yeah, whatever. got to go home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was staying in a, like a B&B around the corner. Um, and so I went back to that B&B and he said, oh, but I'm coming back tomorrow at lunchtime to watch the live action Bledisloe Cup match between Australia and New Zealand. Okay. Um, now, I found that quite odd considering he was British <laughs> and he probably was the only British person in that pub yeah. at all. So, I mean, I sort of lucked out in the fact that I'd started getting chatted up by a British guy <laughs> um, in an Australian pub. Um, yeah, but he was wearing a 
Australian jersey. He was, and he obviously was showing commitment to the Australian culture by, um, you know, supporting North Melbourne. I mean, that is fair, fair commitment. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Although we were quite successful in the late 90s. I must say. Yeah, you did. We you did. We, 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 won a, we won a couple of premierships. Yeah, my next door neighbour was a North Melbourne supporter and I was yeah, a yeah. Khan supporter. 95, uh, we won. 96, you guys won. Yeah, exactly. So it was yeah. good. But those were the glory days um, before Wayne Carey turned out to be an arsehole. Um, I've, I've yeah. talked about Wayne Carey a lot. Oh, in the, in the past. Me, don't even get me started. I'm so angry about the Wayne Carey thing. What are you angry about? Angry that he has a platform. Oh. Angry that anyone <laughs> gives him money to work on well, TV. And I have to see him. <laughs> and I have to see him... Talk about the white ribbon violence against women round of the AFL. Well, the thing that we used because to he's a convicted <laughs> person that has committed violence against this, women. This is the thing we put Wayne Carey in that. We used to put him in that sort of thing of the man glassed his misses. And yeah. somehow he's on national TV. Talking about the White Women Foundation. How? Exactly. How the fuck? <laughs> yeah. They were talking about Bernard Tomic, the t- tennis player. They were talking about taking his money from like Wimbledon or whatever tournament it was because he didn't put in a full effort. You know, he just tanks Nick his Kyrgios games. Nick Kyrgios can't even yeah. bloody... Nick Kyrgios can't even throw a racket across the court <laughs> they, without they, getting... They want to talk in, about in these kids literally taking money off them because, you know, they put in a less than stellar performance. But Wayne Carey glassed his misses and he's on national TV every week. I just... I can't even... <laughs> I can't even tell you. I can't. I can't. It just makes me so Look, incandescent I'm, with rage. I'm not, I'm not supporting anything that Wayne Carey has done in his personal life. Right, as a footballer, he was brilliant. Yeah. Okay, he knows. But I don't care. The fucking genius excuse is not a fucking excuse. Okay. I know. I'm not. I'm not excusing it. I just talk think to Lawrence Krauss about that shit. <laughs> oh yeah, Lawrence Krauss. That's another. Speaking thing. Speaking of assholes. Yeah. Anyone that wants to Google. Uh, Dr. Thompson here about her CV. The oh, first it's on the Wikipedia page. Well, if you see, yeah, I was going to say, you, actually, it is. <laughs> it After is. you told me all of it happened, I made someone put that on my Wikipedia page. I jumped on Wikipedia and it was immediately updated. Yeah, I just yeah, started yeah. laughing no, like that's the no, best. And that that was one of the physics whisper net, who may or may not work with Neil deGrasse Tyson in New York. That yeah, they, that. They're, they're related. They're affiliated, aren't they? No, well, Neil deGrasse Tyson just got off his sexual harassment charges. He had a sexual harassment charge. Yeah, yeah, he just I had got no off idea. this week. For what? As in uh, sexual harassment, but like yeah. in what capacity? What well, happened? he used to touch up, like there was some woman, uh, a fellow astrophysicist, doctor of astrophysics, that had a tattoo of the planet's upper arm, and he like put his hand like under her her bra strap to see where Pluto was. Okay. Um, at a conference dinner, um, and he also sexually harassed his... Um, junior research assistant that was helping him prepare. Some wow. I had no idea. Alleged, he seems, allegedly, seems like he... he also allegedly raped someone when he was a student Jesus. back in the day. Hang on, these are all allegations. Well, the two allegations that were investigated by his employer were um, were the more modern ones, whereas the historical rape charge wasn't, wasn't investigated because the woman refused to go through it again because she'd gone through and been not believed, as you frequently are with rape charges. Okay. Um, because it's he said, she said, and they give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, and so she wasn't prepared to go back through a sort of kangaroo court investigation wow. by I, an employer. Honestly, I'm usually pretty up to date with all that sort of shit uh, that happens, no. but well, I have no me. idea. Uh, yeah, well, okay. Given the fact I'm that I'm obsessed in a- by it, <laughs> I keep these people. I got sent, I got sent like the New York Times stuff from about three different people. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm I'm like a global advocate for this kind of stuff, and so people send it to me. Okay, hang on. Let's just stop, all right? At what point did you start your 
journey into academia? My t- journey into academia, well, that's, uh, journey into science or journey into academia, journey out of academia, it's a very long journey. Okay, science. Let's science. just say science. Okay, okay, let's talk science. Okay, so I'm I... Just, no, no, I'm just trying to get a broad, because I can't do your entire repertoire in you know, the hour or two hours we have. That's so all right. I'm just trying to speed it up just okay. to give some context. So okay, so um, I was very interested, <clears throat> as, a, as a young um, girl, I lived on a farm. Yeah. Um, and so I was able to spend a lot of time in nature, observing how nature worked. Um, we used to breed horses. We had cattle that would get slaughtered in the field by Mr. Henry from up the road. Yeah. Um, and literally he'd come and shoot them and then gut them and take them back and butcher them and they'd come back in, you know, and be put in the freezer. And then they, they, they skin would be tanned and they'd be put on the floor in the yeah. living room. So I was sort of brought up in that environment. Um, but I got to, to, um, observe, you know, the sort of natural order. And then I realized that it was, you know, just just nature and biology fascinated me. And so I decided at the age of 11 when I had a teacher called Mr. Vandenberg, Paul Vandenberg, and if anybody out there can find him for me, I would really love that. That's what I do. You know, you should just well, tell okay, me. Well, okay, so you can find him. <laughs> Hang on. Paul to, Vandenberg. To be fair, the man may have passed on right now. What are you trying to say? <laughs> I'm trying to say we're talking about an event that happened 30 odd well, years ago. that's true. He might have been 40. <laughs> back. He might be about 80 by now. Yeah. I, I imagine that he's in some sort of like... A hospice. A hospice somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> or people's home or maybe dead. I don't know, but he was awesome. <laughs> and he basically got us doing science experiments. And so I did my very first science experiment in grade five in his class. Okay. And at that point decided that's what I wanted to be when I grow up. Yeah. So I want to become a scientist. And, you know, fast forward X number of years and I became a scientist um, to the point where I was doing my own research at Deakin University um, until I sort of hit the glass ceiling in the very blokey, jokey department I was in at the time. Um, and I also had some issues with being sexually harassed. Um, and, you know, it was really uncomfortable because the person that was sexually harassing me, he, you know, his wife worked there too. And, yeah, yeah. And she was part of my um, wider network. And so it was difficult. There was going to be no winners if I put in a he said, she said yeah. um, complaint. Um, whereas I didn't want her to suffer from that. Um, and so I didn't put in a complaint. How recent was this? Um, well, it went, it was between 2011 to 2000 and I left there in 2016. Okay. So it's not ancient history. No, it's no, no. In, it's recent okay. history. The so people ba- are still, some of the people are still there working in the yeah. same positions. If anyone Googles your name, you basically come up with microbiologist, something to do with Lawrence Krauss, something to do with Jetstar. <laughs> something to do with Jetstar, something to do with trolley dollies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's and I, I think. I, I, did, I had no idea. Like, I mean, I'm a disability advocate. Um, and I know dis- disability advocates call themselves Crips. Yeah. But it's one of those sort of protected things. It's, it's, if you're part of that community, you're allowed to call yourself a cripple. But if you're not part of that community, you're not allowed to say that. That's like wogs. Yeah. And so I didn't know that the term trolley dolly was protected in the same way. So you're telling me the word trolley dolly is basically the same as Crips and wogs? Well, that's basically what the, um, Murdoch press were trying to demonstrate. Okay. And that I was just an elitist bitch for demanding people call me by my actual name. You see, I came in late to the party. I, <laughs> I was aware that this had happened, but I didn't know it was you. And I didn't like... No, it, it wasn't I didn't actually it. me. It wasn't actually me. It was a friend of mine. And I just came and I actually tried to do something that you can't do on Twitter anymore, which you used to be able to do. And yeah. as, as a Twitter Twitterati of long standing, you used to be able to come in um, when you saw someone was in the middle of getting piled on by hundreds of yeah. assholes. 
you used to be able to come in and draw draw the fire away, and that's what I tried to do. I'm like, I'm going to try and just say something that is completely out of character, and I'm going to over-egg this because I'm trying to draw off the attack from this yep. woman. And so that's what I was trying to do. I'm like trying to present a bigger target. Come after me. Don't worry about her. Come after me. But what I didn't realize was that by now, by that stage, we'd had the post-2016 Cambridge Analytica, Facebook, you know, basically Twitter had become infested with um, troll bots. And anything that didn't support a white supremacist agenda and women getting an education is against white supremacist agenda. They want women barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen not being educated because educated women don't have babies. See, despite all the progress we've made, you still think that is a glaring... What do you mean think? I know. No, you know. I'm not... Okay. <laughs> Handmaiden's Tale. It's totally a thing. Okay. Before we get any further, you know that I'm an advocate for everything you're saying. I know. You know that. That's why we're friends. Yes, blah, yes, blah, yes. blah, blah. Okay. I'm just presenting... You, yeah, you can be the devil's advocate. I, I'm not even being a devil's advocate. I'm asking you to elaborate on things. That's fine. <laughs> why are you fighting me on this? <laughs> Making me out like... Oh, I fight everybody. You said that women shouldn't work. Like, no, no, no. The white supremacists say that women shouldn't work. Okay. You didn't say it. White supremacists. It's, it's basically part of the white supremacist message that is currently being pushed by all of those big tech companies, you know, and it, it, it's being used to win elections for Scott Morrison <laughs> and it's going to probably get, it's got the Brexit, no deal, um, Boris Johnson in place. When I see his Trump. face, I get really angry, Boris well, Johnson. I just, oh, look, I he's just a buffoon. He is. He's- and, and, you know, and, and Scott Morrison's the best of a bad bunch out of the world leaders at the moment. And, and they're all like, you know, what what's going on? I can't even believe we have a Pentecostal happy clapper as our prime minister. Yeah. What the hell happened, Australia? What the hell happened? I went away for twelve years. I come back and I, this is what I come back to. Yeah, I came back to like really five minutes me. of Julia, which was you know yeah, what it was. That was groundbreaking. It was groundbreaking for here. Yeah, not not there are many world leaders that are, that are women yeah. across the world, and you know a lot of and it's interesting when you go and speak to people and like oh yes, and I speak to my sort of feminist killjoy mates in other countries. It's like oh wow, Julia Gillard, that that misogyny speech was awesome. I'm like actually, you need to understand the context. She was actually deflecting and defending a man who basically had made comments of a misogynist nature about women's genitalia at the time. <laughs> okay, hang on. You're going to have to elaborate on that oh, one. Oh, that's the Peter Slipper. Peter Slipper had sent, um, oh, what's the guy's name? He now works for Pauline Hanson. Okay. Um, I'd have to Google it. You'd have to Google it. it. But basically, it's the Peter Slipper affair. Yeah. And, you know, it was presented in Parliament, the stuff that Peter Slipper had said on text message to his then boyfriend. Yeah. Um James Ashby. James Ashby. Okay. Um and it was sort of comparing women's genitalia to sort of stinky off oysters or something. It was something gross anyway. It was right. really gross and misogynist. And I remember thinking, <laughs> You're defending that. But and, and it was just like it was a great speech and you could see that she obviously be wanting itching to do that. But the the context yeah. around that and, and it's interesting when you say that to someone they're like, oh I didn't realise. I'm like, yeah. You're talking about Scott Morrison, right? This Pentecostal happy clapper. Happy clapper. <laughs> yeah, he is. It's hilarious. When I see those photos of him with his hand up in the air. Oh, I just shudder every time I see it. Like, it's seriously. funny. You take those photos, you, you send them, if, if you put another back, backdrop to it, it just looks like a devout nut job. It, well, like, it clearly. In, you know what I mean? <laughs> in any other context, you'd be like, who is this lunatic? You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And no, I see I was, him. Uh, speaking in tongues. Um, yeah. And, and it frightens me that there's people, his Pentecostal mates that are in positions in government. I think the person that's now in charge of the NDIS, for example, thinks that 
disabled people should just pray a bit harder and that actually God will fix that for them. I can't. And, it, and as someone who has a disability and has a son with a disability, I am just horrified by the fact that apparently I just need to pray harder which as an atheist is a bit challenging. You know, it didn't start it didn't start with Scott Morrison. This is what I was going to say before. Go back go back to uh, to um to, to, to leaders behind him. We had Tony Abbott. Yeah, well that's it. Another happy clapper. He that, he was going to be a monk. Yeah. He it was, was even like, worse. Was, exactly. He was he was going to give up women, but apparently he couldn't give up women. So this, yeah, so this right <laughs> cuz we are awesome. I mean, why would you? I certainly have. I give you a 100 reasons why. <laughs> All right. <laughs> But that's the point. Like the the slow roll just started coming from a long time ago. I mean, when did Tony Abbott first come in? He was immediately after um, Rudd, who was after Gillard. Yes. So, if, but he was opposition leader for a long time before that. Yeah, it was always in and about. But I'm just saying, like this whole movement has started from ages ago for some yeah, yeah. fucking reason. Which is weird because when I left, I left Australia just as John Howard. I missed the Howard years. Ninety six. Yeah. So I missed. The I remember Howard years. Port Arthur. Mike Tyson bit Evander yeah. Holyfield's ear off. And, it's and a big I year left. for me. Yeah, big year. <laughs> um, but you know, I, since then, you know, I I went away for twelve years, and and yeah. I lived through New Labour in the in the UK. So I lived through Tony Blair, and then sort of the the, the sort of central right, the central Labour movement to the middle of, yeah. of the UK Labour Party. Now they've moved quite far left now to go back to a sort of traditional socialist union leader yeah. um, in Jeremy Corbyn. But they were sort of in the middle. And I'm seeing a transition now with our Labour Party here. And I'm saying this is someone I'm going to declare I know Richard Miles personally. Um, so I know, and I've had discussions with him in his office where I get him to explain where the hell the political spectrum is in Australia because I'm confused because I've missed 12 years. <laughs> yeah. and I've literally had sort of senior government officials yeah. try and explain that shit to me. And he's basically said... The only difference between the centre-right and the centre-left is whether you believe in unions yeah. or not. And at that point, I was a member of a union, the um, National Tertiary um, Educators Union or something, NTEU. <laughs> you're big are, on your... On your um, I love an acronym. Yeah, you love acronyms. Mm-hmm. You're, you know, you're one of the few people that I actually have to Google acronyms sometimes. Really? Because I feel embarrassed to actually ask, what the hell is that? <laughs> sometimes I'll say it to you, what the hell is that? I should... You should always, always, and I teach my students this when I was a teacher, that you always have to define your acronyms at yeah. least once. No, 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 because you've used a lot in the, in our conversations, yeah, and sometimes I think, I should know what that is, and I'll Google it. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's what it is. Sometimes I have no fucking idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest. Okay, so hang on. You were overseas for 12 years yep. doing what exactly? Um, basically working as a scientist and getting my master's and my PhD and then working a bit more as a scientist. Um, and so I worked at Great Ormond Street Hospital in London for a couple of years. Okay. And then I hated London. <laughs> so they say if you're tired of London, you're tired of life. I'm like, no, if you've ever tried to live there on like a scientist wage, you'd, you'd get really tired of it really quick, especially if you don't live near the tube. Really? Um, so I wanted to move back to somewhere where I could have a garden because we just had a, we had a sort of top floor flat. Yeah. And I only had a couple of window boxes. and I Typically, had, when I imagine no London, go. that's what I picture. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah. I couldn't have a dog. And after sort of growing up on a farm, I needed some sort of dirt under my toes kind of thing. <laughs> um, and in London, you can only get that by going to the local park. Okay. And you don't get to own that bit of the park, and you can't just keep your dog indoors. Okay, really. so skipping ahead, you leave the labs, you come back to Melbourne. Yep. So, I came back to Geelong, in fact, um, where I had been offered a three-year contract at an entry-level position at Deakin. And um, set up my lab there, working on... It was the GIMP lab. 
<laughs> so you want, let me let me define that acronym for you. I got it past. I got it past them. They totally didn't pick that up. The, the GIMP, GIMP lab. lab. Yeah. Gastrointestinal microbial pathogenesis lab. I can't believe you can't pronounce my fucking surname, but you just got that out in one go. <laughs> I'm Two good syllables. With, I'm good with medical terms. Two syllables. Ask me about hematopoiesis. <laughs> Two fucking syllables. I can't do actual names. <sighs> I'm too white for names. I'm going to convince you that my surname is some sort of medical condition. Right, okay. You, you, if, you, if, you, if you do that, I'll, I'll be able to pronounce it. <laughs> okay, so you set up the GIMP lab I in set July. up the GIMP lab, yeah. Right, so, and <laughs> was running that for about five and a half years until I got to the point where um, after I failed to get my own promotion, um, which I was devastated by because I had done so much work for that. Yeah. And the other problem is is that one of the, my referees was the person that was sexually harassing me, and I thought I'd handled it, and I thought it, I'd got him to just, you know, I kept politely declining his sort of um, how about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, you know, three times he asked me, and three times I turned him down. Okay. Um, but again, you know, it, 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 there was never any evidence of that. It was just my word against his. And so, and I thought I'd dealt with it, and he stopped asking me, and so I thought, oh, okay, I've handled this well. I've, I'm, I'm adulting. Excellent. Yeah. But then when he sort of damned me with faint praise for my service record for Deacon, yeah. I was devastated. I was like, you, I can't believe it. I can't actually believe it. Um, and at that point, there was another university sniffing around to talk to me, and so I'm like, that's it. I'm out of here. But unfortunately, that sort of academic um, romance fell through and they didn't follow through with the offers they had made me That by the time yeah. we got round to it. And so um, I was left in a position where I was like not really wanting to be at Deakin anymore because I felt that I'd got stuck against the glass ceiling at my first attempt at getting promotion. Um, okay, and quick question. Yeah. At this point, how many years did you spend in like... You know, research and... Well, so, uh, let's just call it science right? Let's okay. just call it sciencing. Okay. So I started sciencing so this um, is, no, in 1995. I know you were in research, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. What other, th- what other um, roles have you had within the science, the STEM, within STEM? Just research. Up until, research. up until 2016, from the day I started my Bachelor of Science to the day I left Deakin, yeah. I was a, an academic researcher. That's what you were? Yeah. See, because a lot of people like that have either asked me about you or try and explain to you, people who yeah. you are. I just say she's in STEM, right? Yeah. Because you've been microbiologist, yeah. research, yeah, yeah. teacher, la, la, la. But a lot of people, I mean, the dream, you know, you, you tell your kids, especially like you know, my, gener- my, my generations, like my parents and that sort of stuff, they say, you're, you're going to be a doctor, you know? Like, why? Yeah, yeah no, I had, doc- I, had I had the same. I had the same pressure. I had the same pressure. But Dr. Then, Zeus? guess what? <laughs> Dr. Mario? Guess what? Dr. Mario. <laughs> I love Dr. Mario. Um, Dr. Dre? I want to be Dr. Dre. Dr. Dre is pretty cool. Um, but, you know, I had the same pressure yeah. where um, my my parents were both um, sort of cashed up bogans, I think is the correct term. <laughs> Um, and they both had not finished school and they both had gone into sort of working in sort of administrative roles or working in sort of, I think my dad was a parts interpreter before he became, yeah. worked his way up to sort of, you know, dealer principal at, at some car dealerships. Um, but it was a very precarious job. Like the motor industry is very precarious, very, um, cutthroat. Yeah. Um, and so I would often come home from school and find him like home on a Thursday and I'm like, what's happened? You've lost a job again, haven't you? And that happened so often. And I was like, I really don't want that. I don't want that for my kids. I don't want it for me. And so I've got to get, you know, educated to the point where I am not going to be unemployed. See, I grew up in a house where my old man didn't get an education. He was smart. He was gifted. 
But and that is the thing. My I think my dad really would have. Um, he was very curious, and he was always fascinated by science. And so he sort of made me. He was he supported me back then, but then when it got to the crunch, and it was like, hang on, actually, we need you to be our meal ticket when we're old. Yeah. We need you to be a doctor, a medical doctor, or a lawyer. Well, that's what I was going to say to you, right? Uh, that's why when I say sciencing, yeah, yeah, you, know, you see the ac- you see the acronym, the pronoun, um, pronoun, <laughs> acronym. No, no, not the acronym. When you see doctor next to someone's name, you automatically assume like they're a you know a GP somewhere or yeah, maybe. that's it. And, that, and that's yeah. but actually in in the technical sense, only people with PhDs are allowed to be called doctors. It's a, it's actually an affectation that anybody else gets called doctor because actually doctors that are trained in Australia do not have doctors of medicine. They only have masters of medicine or bachelors of medicine. How much so, more work is involved to get? In the US, it's like an MD. Okay. So it's a much lot. You have to do a bit, bit, bit more study. Yeah. But here, we now have um, a lot of the courses of postgraduate medicine. So you already have to have done one degree. And so you're doing a master's, which is quite long on top of that. And so instead of a normal master's, it would be 18 months. You have to do another three or four years. Three or four years. Yeah. So how on many top years? Top of the bachelor you've already done. Okay, let me ask you. How many years of... Uh, Education and schooling have you actually done? Oh, a shitload. The okay. same amount as an actual doctor. <laughs> um, I did four years to get my Bachelor of Science Honours. I then did one year accelerated Masters, and then I did um, three or four years to get my PhD. Three or four years, and then one year, then three or four years. So and then about, I had to do... About a, tra- a decade. A tr- and then I had to do a trainee um, position. About a decade of not being paid, not being paid a pension and the yeah. super. Yeah. So, uh, it's a lot of, it's a lot of time to spend not earning money. Yeah. No, I agree. Especially when you're now, now I'm facing down the barrel of being an older woman who's can't seem to get a job. But this is, this is my and point it's exactly. It's just like this frightening. Is, this has been the, I mean, this has been a lot of the basis of a lot of our recent conversations given our current circumstances. But yeah. the fact that we've both come from different er- different parts of town, different Families, different educations, different outlook, blah, 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 blah. But we've come back down to this fork in the road where we're both sitting here yep. fielding unsuccessful application uh, letters, emails, yep. Yep. for jobs that we're completely overqualified to do. Correct. Now, how does that happen? I mean, you went out and did the education. Yeah. You did at the yep. highest level. We're not talking about some piddly fucking certificate of TAFE. Yeah, yeah. but I'm looking at having to go back and do some piddly certificates of TAFE to get a job. But that's what I'm saying. How, how do we live in a society where that is actually happening? Okay, so the, the credentialism, you're talking about credentialism. Yeah. Which is moving the goalposts on what you need to achieve to actually get even your foot in the door. And yeah. I know we've spoken about this for white collar work and that the basically meal ticket to get you in the door of white collar work is some kind of, um, graduate certificate or a bachelor of some description. So something from a bona fide university. Yeah. Um, and I know we, we've spoken about the, the sort of vocational path where you can actually convert um, your experiences as a vocational operator. There is universities in Melbourne, the RMIT and Swinburne, both have vocational-based um, entry programs and that you can actually go through those and actually go straight into a, something you would need a bachelor for just because you have more than five years' experience. Yep. And so there is a few ways in to sort of getting into the white-collar management positions um, from the sort of blue collar shop floor. Um, but science doesn't have a shop floor. 
<laughs> we don't have a shop floor. It's white collar all the way. You have to start like the literally the entry level now pretty much is a PhD. Yeah. Just to get to get to get a sort of part to get a precarious three year contract that might not be renewed. Is now you now need to have a PhD. So it, and this is the thing you, you, we've had this. The credentialism started in in the recession that we had to have, as I say. You yeah, know, thanks, yeah. Paul Keating. And so <laughs> the youth unemployment then was something ridiculous, like thirteen percent, thirty percent. Yeah. Um, and I was like sixteen when that happened, and I was at a posh private school, going, "Oh well, I'm going to be okay because I'm going to uni." Um, but that meant a whole generation of people didn't go straight out into the workforce. And so you ended up with everybody staying at uni just because there was no jobs. Um, and so you then, that then pushed out the sort of skill paper cut that you had to have. And I know that when I was in um, the UK for 12 years, my husband finished at year 12, got like sort of a C average in his A-levels in the yeah. UK back in the, um, back in the day. But he went straight into the police force um, because you could still get into the police force straight from school if you – he came from a forces family. He, his dad was in the Air Force and so he had that sort of white social, you know, sort of um, military background that the police were looking for at that point. This yeah. was before they got all touchy-feely and wanted diversity. <laughs> Way before then. This is Margaret Thatcher. This was a Margaret Thatcher. Margaret Thatcher. Margaret Thatcher, we're going to break the strikes. <laughs> and I li- we lived in Yorkshire, and one of the pubs we used to eat in was owned by a guy that was a union um, picket breaker uh, in the, go- the, the coal miners' strike. In Yorkshire in the 80s, yep. and we couldn't tell him what Simon did for a living. Simon was still a practicing police officer, but he would not serve us a drink if he knew that was a thing. Wow. Because the prejudice against the police and the way they're being used by Margaret Thatcher to break the unions was so strong in Yorkshire. So moving along. Then, sorry. <laughs> I digress. Okay. So we are where we're at now. Yeah. All these, like, again, with the whole sciencing thing. What does it mean? I mean, you've come to where you're at now. Well, I, I mean, the only sciencey I do now is the fact that I, I sort of hit the wall and had a breakdown um, in May last year um, because I just I just couldn't sort of sustain the pressure of the high-powered job that I was doing, and I was doing a lot of travelling, and I've got multiple sclerosis, and I didn't really understand the impact on my mental health, having such a busy, fatiguing schedule had on me. Yeah, I remember when, especially when we first started chatting, yeah. I'd be like, where are you? Like, oh, I'm in Sydney doing a conference. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I'm in Brisbane. Then I'm, I'm in, in Brisbane, a, then I'm, I'm going to New Zealand, then I'll be yeah. back, and yeah, I'll be yeah. at home for two days. Well, and- this is it. It was a pretty, pretty hectic schedule. Yeah. Um, and I basically grew apart from my family, which was um, was difficult yeah. for them. And, you know, not so much for me, because I still thought I was chasing the dream. Um, but then the dream sort of crashed down into a, a sort of big heap of nightmare and I didn't really get off my couch for months because my mental health had deteriorated to the point where I was just literally, you know, I had a proper breakdown. I had severe complex, complex depression and I couldn't yeah. get off the couch. And, okay. um, I, you know, and it took me a couple of strategic things to start um, trying to get back in contact. And it's t- it took me a whole 18 months to get back to the point where I actually am confident now that I can apply for jobs and actually do jobs again without really too much accommodation. You're looking at women in STEM, especially yep. women in STEM. Yep. Okay. What are the job prospects after, say, research or, say, anything in STEM and you've sort of gone to the top or close yeah, to well, it? Yeah, well, this is it. And, and what, do you, what do you do? I have lived the dream. And, um, you know, I've had my opportunity. I... 
couldn't stick it out, as I say, because I got stuck into an untenable position at Deakin because of the circumstances I was in. Yeah. And again, I was in a position where I was doing lots of teaching and admin, and so I had neglected my research, and I was looking after a young family, and I had MS myself, and trying to get look after myself meant that I couldn't actually put in the sort of crazy hours that is sort of expected as part of the uh, culture. And, and in fact, the only women in my department that seemed to do well um, were people that were supported... Um, to get grants by other institutions in Melbourne, um, and childless women at my level. Okay. So, See, or, that, that's exactly what I'm trying to identify yeah. now. What are the career prospects? And I mean, how far can you go? Well, you can go as far as you like, but it's whether, it's what, what the support networks you have and what sort of, um, the, 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 um, situations you find yourself in. Okay, quick question. This is actually probably a stupid question. That's okay. No such thing as a stupid <laughs> no such question. Thing as a stupid Apart question. from, is this going to be on the exam? That was always my swear jar. <laughs> I used to have a swear jar at Deacon. I'm like, right, there is one stupid question. Is this going to be on the exam? And if you say that, you have to put a dollar in the swear jar. <laughs> okay. As, a, as a, a woman in research in microbiology, yep. what would your average workload be? As in, on a, on a given week... Um, well, well if work? you're running your own lab, um, by the time you're actually, I had four or five PhD students that I would have to see oh, and yeah. check that they were okay and doing, were on track and whether they needed advice. I also was teaching at course director level, which was um, a job about two pay scales above where they were paying me. <laughs> um, I also had to manage other staff who were senior to me and I had to give them prof- continuing professional development, especially if they got complaints from students about their teaching styles. I had to do a lot of that. Why would you be doing that if they're senior to you? Because I was the course director. So I was the administrative manager. Okay. But they were allocated to me because they had not performed their they didn't get enough research money in to enable them to not do teaching. <laughs> and this is the thing, is like you think that university lecturers actually lecture, but they spend most of their time trying to get money so they don't have to do teaching and admin. But because I didn't have one of those grants that bought me that luxury of time away from the teaching and learning admin, I had to do a lot of it. And so it meant that I never got any time to do my research. <laughs> It just seems like a fucking ball of a mess. Well, you know, you're literally. I doing... was in a department where all the women got stuck with all the teaching and learning admin. Let me tell you, it's like, oh, you're a woman, you can do admin, you can multitask. I know, but just the thought, like, okay, take someone like me, yeah, that never had aspirations to go to uni and be a fucking scientist, or yeah, you know, none of my friends turned around and said they were in research, you know. Yeah. A lot of them was solicitors, or they had, you know, role. They they went to uni, got educations, and they became solicitors, or they became whatever, but. Actually, the word scientist, when you attach it to someone's name, it's got like a stigma, man. It's like, you're a fucking scientist. No, you're like, geek. You're a Tony Nerd. Stark. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Tony Stark. Yeah. Can we just say, you're Iron Man. You're an Iron Woman, like literally. Compared no, that's to- the thing. I'm Wonder Woman. But even she was a bit soft, frankly. No, Wonder Woman was, was bullshit. Like the actual movie adaptation was ass. I gave a yep. whole review on it in the podcast like, a couple of years ago. <laughs> it was crap. All right, she was an Amazonian, and they made her out like yeah. this whiny. Yeah, no, she was way bleed, too soft. bleeding heart. I yeah, just couldn't nah, be bothered. Nah, nah. She should have just been ripping people's balls off. Correct. Like, on Correct. site. Damn right. <laughs> I love how your keyring's got a, a Lego Wonder Woman. Yeah, I got my Lego Wonder Woman. <laughs> That's right. Okay. My other one's got Superwoman. It's just when when you talk to lay people like me, and you talk about being a scientist or the role or whatever, people just envision labs, yeah, white coats, assistants, like 
being in this position at like at the yeah, top of the I, thing. Yeah, and I look, and I had white coats in my lab, but there's lots of labs that don't require white coats. And basically, seventy to eighty percent of people that get trained up to PhD level don't end up doing sciencey science in a lab somewhere with a white coat. That just doesn't happen. So what do they do? Lecture. Well. Yeah, well, I was lecturing and having to do the research as well. All the conferences, all the conferences that you used to do. Yeah. Or you still do. You were overseas for a conference like two months ago. That was not, that wasn't a science science conference. That (laughs) That was was different. Faculty sexual harassment conference. Because I do, I do, I do feminist killjoy conferences as well. The fact that that exists just makes me laugh. (laughs) It's just a band of women, just group of women just. Oh, there were some men there. Doing what? Apologising no, for being... <laughs> presenting, presenting their work. There was a lot of HR and diversity and inclusion, culture and people, people, type people there. Okay. So when you... Okay, let's just say in your researcher days and post or whatever, all these conferences that you used to do, what were they about? Um, so the conferences I used to do when I was a researcher were based on my actual bench research, so what I was doing in the lab. And so when I was a microbiologist... The last conference I went to as a microbiologist was actually um, in Portugal. It was a biofilms conference. I took one of my PhD students that was working on um, the Staph aureus superbug, um, Golden Staph. Okay. Um, and the antibiotic-resistant resi- biofilms that they form on hips. And that was one of my past crowdfunding excitements, which was called Hips for Hipsters. <laughs> um, what was the other ones? I remember you, you announced uh, Mighty Maggots. Mighty Maggots was my first one. Um, then my second one was Hips for Hipsters, and the last one was No Poo to Poo. That's the one that you first shared with me. I said, yeah, like, what the it. fuck? What even is that? It's about <laughs> diarrhea. I like to talk shit professionally. What can I say? As opposed to you who just does it for, for uh, you know, laughs. It's just funny because it's a. What was your I first, have been paid to talk shit. What was your first literally. professional media, uh, you know, the project? A diarrhea. <laughs> that was my third. Maggots was first. <laughs> Superbugs were second, and then and then shit was third. It just astounds me the fact that you know you've got all these accolades, these accreditations, all this shit that you've had to work and build and blah blah blah. But then people like you are sort of left looking for a fucking job the same way I That's am. That's right, absolutely. That makes no guess sense what? to me. I'm on the scrap heap, and why are we on the scrap heap? We discussed this earlier. What what was it? What is the shared? <laughs> what do we share? That other people find objectionable. Well, this is this is the funny part because a lot of people would say to me like, how they like okay for anyone that. But most people actually do know that that, that know me, but I, you appointed yourself as my uh, industry career mentor. That's like, right. Two years ago. Exactly. You didn't get a choice. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm just going to mentor the I shit just, out of you. I just wanted to make podcasts. <laughs> I'm like, I've listened to your podcast. It's shit. You need a better one. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. <laughs> you throw me off now. Sorry, okay. sorry. I was just saying... Anytime, okay, the two things that people throw up against me is either that I'm sexist or I'm uh, racist or homophobe or blah, 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 just off face value. And I say, how can that be fucking possible? Yeah. All right, I've got a, literally the, an uber feminist as a, a career mentor. Some of my closest exactly. friends are, uh, are gay. Yeah. Like, give me a fucking break. Like, this has got nothing to do with that. It goes above and beyond. You have to understand. And I remember one of the things that you said was empathy. Like, that's the biggest form. Yeah, of, um, well, that's it. And it's, it's seriously lacking in most people with penises, I've got to say. And having that empathy and being able to... And we share the value where we just won't let things slide. And the fact that we want justice. Yeah. And social justice for whatever reason. I mean, I've feminist killjoy justice. But at the end of the day... <laughs> Equity and diversity and inclusion is what I want because I don't just want white ladies to have good jobs because guess what? They mostly do anyway. 
but it's the people that I know and that I have dealt with in the, the disability inclusion space and in the sort of trans transgender space. They're the people really doing it. Actually, hard. I was going to say, that's probably one of the biggest reasons why why I feel like we actually get along or why we've maintained this sort of um, friendship is the fact that you have a sense of humour about yourself. Oh, God, period. I'm always laughing at myself. You're always Constantly. laughing. Constantly. You laugh at yourself and you never made me feel like I was any less of a person no. because of my no, opinion no, because, or, or my experience. And that's the thing, is that I recognised immediately that you should be a philosopher. <laughs> yeah, I'm Greek. <laughs> You're Greek. You should be a goddamn philosopher. It's, it's, it's genetic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My philosophy. Check out the podcast, which you just said was shit. <laughs> There's hey, my I didn't, I didn't say. I didn't say that I had to agree with your philosophies. <laughs> I'm just saying you're a philosopher because I don't. I don't agree with most of the goddamn blokey philosophers that are out there. <laughs> <laughs>